कमाठीपुरा इन मुंबई शोनागाची इन कोलकाता जीबी रोड इन दिल्ली आर सम ऑफ द रेड लाइट एरियाज इन द बिगेस्ट सिटीज इन इंडिया आई रिमेंबर क्रॉसिंग फॉकलिन रोड अ रेड लाइट एरिया क्लोज टू कमाठीपुरा बैक वेन आई वॉज इन कॉलेज एंड थिंकिंग टू माई सेल्फ वाई डू दीज वीमेन स्टैंड ऑन द स्ट्रीट ड्रेस द वे दे डू लियोरिंग मैन एंड यंग बॉयज इज इट दैम और इज सम वन मेकिंग दैम डू दिस Are they even allowed to do this in India? I'm sure these kind of questions have crossed your mind too if you've ever passed by a red light area. So, in this episode, we will try and answer some of those questions and particularly explore the legal nuances of prostitution and the law in India. Welcome to Humans Not for Sale, a podcast that aims to create broader awareness around human trafficking and commercial sexual exploitation. I'm Kashina Karim, Assistant Director of a non-profit and civil society organization called Predna. Let's start with a very controversial but very significant question. Is prostitution legal in India? To help us Here's Dr. Praveen Patkar, the co-founder of Predna, telling us more. I think the shortest and correct answer to this question is no prostitution is not legal. What is important for us to understand is that there is one law that deals with prostitution or sex trade. The name of the law is Immoral Traffic Prevention Act. it was first passed in 1956 and majorly amended in the year 1986 what is important is that in the 1986 amendment the definition of prostitution was changed drastically earlier it was defined as sale of sex by a female where you know, the entire focus was on a female and as if she was free to sell her bodily sex and she was selling it and there was nobody in the picture in that entire scenario but in 1986 the definition was changed to prostitution as sexual exploitation of other person for commercial purposes so there were more than one person unlike the previous definition and now there was an act of exploitation which means that there was somebody who was exploited and there was somebody who was exploiter now this changes the entire scenario if prostitution is exploitation or commercial sexual exploitation how can that be legalized how can that be permitted lawfully it is not so the law is against organized sex trade the law is not against a person's freedom to dispose of one's own bodily sex to another person understanding what is legal and what is not under the indian law is an extremely complicated matter the law explicitly states what is not allowed rather than stating what is allowed so what does the immoral traffic prevention act 1956 prohibit Let's hear Dr. Patkar tell us more. A woman or a man also or a person or transgender is not to be punished for selling one's own bodily sex through transactional sex. It is not a punishable offense and therefore a woman is not punished definitely not punished. But just the way we all have our rights we have our responsibilities and limitations and there are certain acts for the law and order situation for public peace there are certain things which are prohibited which are equally applicable to everybody there are certain acts which are particularly related with the manner in which the trade is run or manner in which a particular activity is carried out but in case of a woman as we have said there is no insistence on punishing the person 
but there is a kind of a provision for rehabilitation and correction coming specifically to what are the acts which are made punishable under the immoral traffic act brothel keeping brothel managing is not permitted giving premises for the use of brothel is not permitted taking commission on sale of somebody else's bodily sex is not permitted procuring somebody for the purpose of prostitution trade is not permitted detaining somebody in a place whereby the person will be forced to enter into prostitution is not permitted carrying out prostitution that is the bodily sale of bodily sex say within 200 meters from a place like a temple or a place of prayer worship place of education educational institution or a hospital or a clinic is not permitted soliciting in public places or soliciting in public places visible from a public place even if it is a private place so soliciting for prostitution is not permitted because that comes in conflict with the rights of the other civilians then seducing somebody who is under your authority or influence to enter into prostitution is not permitted so these are the things which are made punishable by the law and very interestingly brothel is also defined very exhaustively brothel is not defined in any other form of a cubic certain type of cubicle in certain areas brothel is a place or part of a place or a part of a conveyance which is used for the purposes of commercial sexual exploitation of other person so any place even if it is a aeroplane even if it is a uh, railway train that entire thing or a part thereof which is used for the purposes of commercial sexual exploitation will be treated as brothel which is a very progressive definition of brothel in the indian law this law that we are talking about is the immoral traffic prevention act also commonly referred to as itpa or peta that was passed in 1956 and last amended in the year 1986 that's over 60 years ago conventionally speaking it's a legislation that can be considered dated so does it still have relevance in the context we are living in today is this law progressive has it stood the test of time or are there gaps in the current legislation that need to be addressed through necessary amendments i would say that the law is very progressive and of course some small amendments are required but it is definitely a progressive law especially i draw your attention to the 1986 amendment in the law which changed the definition of prostitution itself previously that woman was considered as a kind of a free entrepreneur who was selling her bodily sex as she wanted and the traffickers were not in the picture the brothel managers were not in the picture the pimps were not in the picture the customers were not in the picture and the other people who were seducing her or inducting her into prostitution people who were in authority people who were in economic power they were just out of the picture they were made invisible by the 1956 law but in 1986 all of them were brought into the framework and they were identified specifically so there was a provision against procuration detention soliciting taking commission on somebody else's prostitution or sale of bodily sex this is something that the law has very categorically stated down but the law doesn't come in the way of your disposing your bodily sex in any manner without violating other people's rights and other people's privacy so that is something very progressive not only that it goes a little further for example if prostituted woman is found selling her bodily sex within 200 meter the law doesn't say that necessarily punish her the law says put her in a corrective institution and give her an opportunity to find another source of livelihood but there is no necessarily insistence on giving the punishment there bolte sath mein samjho hum log hafte mein 
चार्ज मारते बारह सौ रुपया करोना पहले में गए थे कोर्ट में सिवरी कोर्ट पाँच सौ रुपया फाइन मारे थे रात भर रखे थे और सुबह छोड़े थे तीन चार साल पहले साढ़े बारह सौ रुपया फाइन मारते जैसे हम लोग काम अंदर जाते हैं ना और बहुत मालूम रहते इधर उधर घूमते रहते तो हम लोग रोज जाएंगे तो पहचानते हैं ना क्या करते रहे तो उन लोग को भी ऊपर से ऑर्डर आता है तो वो लोग तो करते हैं लेके जाते हैं पूछते हैं ये सब बात तो मुझे मेरी मजबूरी है तो लोग फाइन मार के छोड़ जाते हैं केस नहीं बनाते जो भी हम लोग पहला ही थी ना पुलिस वाला हम लोग को मच्छी गोली से सात हजार लिया था अभी तो रोड पे पकड़ लेती थी अगर पहले हम लोग का साथ कितना लेती थी पाँच सौ लेती थी तो बाद में साढ़े हुआ था अभी पूरा किधर माने गाँव है गाँव का पोस्ट ऑफिस ऑफिस तुम्हारा चौकी सब ठाई ठिकाना बोलने का होएगी तो तुमको साढ़े बारह सौ में छोड़ देगी और तुमको बोलने का नहीं होएगी पच्चीस सौ रुपया फाइन मरेगी सात दिन डाक देगी एस बी टेक डीपर वी हैव अंडरस्टूड इन प्रीवियस एपिसोड्स दैट द विक्टम्स ऑफ कमर्शियल सेक्शुअल एक्सप्लॉयटेशन एंड ट्रैफिकिंग are in fact victims of their circumstances and have limited control or decision making power when we look at the immoral traffic prevention act are there any situations where women could be held accountable or liable or punished for an offence essentially is there a particular section where a woman could be a victim but still be penalized just because she is a <coughs> prostituted woman or a victim of trafficking doesn't mean that she has special immunity so just the way we all are governed by law and we are to abide by law she too has to abide by the law the law provides that certain places prostitution should not be practiced if found practicing the person the woman will be taken into custody and put to reformation if the woman is doing it voluntarily on her own knowing very well that she has the right to sell sex within private premises if she is doing that then of course there is a provision for punishment the history of the implementation of the law is very checkered very uneven for a very long time although the law was created to protect the prostituted woman a person who is subjected to sex trade it was used against that woman or against that person and therefore there was a constant revictimization of the victim throughout the history for example for most of the times the law was used in order to punish the woman who is soliciting in public places essentially so on one hand the traffickers the pimps the brothel keepers pushed her out because she is a senior woman she is not to be kept in captivity because she has nowhere to run away so she will be pushed away from the brothel into public places to solicit and the police will come and take her into a custody and punish her that is where the law was found mostly implemented and most of the times this particular section either from the itpa or yet another law bombay police act for example the regional police act section 110 section 117 they had a provision that if you are doing something that is indecent behavior in public places you shall be punished there is no further provision for reformation or providing a kind of a rehabilitative services so that's very small and quick for the police to act there was you know take the possession produce before the magistrate punishment put the money in the government treasury it was as simple as that and therefore that was the most popular way of interfering or intervening into sex trade by the police for a very long time the law was made to protect prostituted women victims of commercial sexual exploitation however in prerna's 30 years of experience the law was often used to book and penalize these women 
the actual perpetrators of this crime were rarely being booked and thus punished under the said law currently the 50 year old immoral traffic prevention act though progressive as dr patkar had mentioned suffers from lack of implementation in 2006 prerna filed a writ petition in the bombay high court which led to questioning the utility of the law against the perpetrators of the crime dr patkar takes us through what the writ petition was why it was filed and what the judgment was one very sad feature of this governmental intervention and enforcement of law uh, we mentioned one somewhere that the law was used to revictimize the victim but there were also rescue operations there were regular rescue operations raids conducted or search operations conducted by the police concerned police stations or special police units and uh, but very often we found that the rescued persons were retrafficked and you would find the girls who were rescued yesterday standing at the same street on the same corner doing the same business of soliciting for the customers under the same brothel keepers and under the same pimps okay that was very unfortunate in one such case it so happened that in a wrongful manner the magistrate court gave the custody of the rescued persons in the hands of a lawyer who was appearing for the brothel keepers and the accused in that case that was as serious as that in that connection we had moved the mumbai high court and that was the writ petition which was finally disposed of in the year 2007 in the month of april a number of directives were given and within that the magistrates were told that wherever there is a case of search operation and rescue of victims it is the responsibility of the magistrates to pass an order of sealing the brothel which is provided in the section 18 in on the law of itpa act and that is something very interesting because you know for the whole period of 50 years from 1956 when the law was passed to the year 2006 the brothels were never sealed it was in the case of our own prerna's writ petition in bombay high court it has become a kind of a practice now that the magistrates are required to pass the order of sealing the brothels of course the provision is not very strong it needs to be strengthened but the provision exists and it has been mobilized because of the writ petition this writ petition came up with several orders which were very important and very critical orders which were required and the entire process helped the facilitation of the enforcement of the law as we are exploring prostitution and the legalities around it within the indian context it's also helpful to understand approaches to prostitution across the ages and in different parts of the world from institutionalizing it to abolishing it or decriminalizing it or even legalizing it every approach has its pros and cons the most common approach of the ancient society and the prehistorical and historical societies was that of institutionalizing prostitution considering that as a legitimate part of the society and allowing it to take place allowing it to exist side by side with the civilized society and not giving them any kind of great respect or any kind of a rights based life definitely not but that was a common kind of a policy subsequently we come across a policy of repression that to consider prostitution or sex trade as immoral and suppress it through use of force and wherever you come across people who are carrying that kind of a trade arrest them and punish them in a crude manner 
that was the repressionist or the suppressionist policy the other common approach is that of abolitionism that this is a bad practice this is based on violence this degrades women's status this is a kind of a slavery and therefore it should be abolished from the society in every form so there was a major movement in europe in the 1860s 1870s 1890s demanding abolition of certain laws which were allowing the sex trade there is the regulationist approach and regulationist approach believes that prostitution is a necessity it's a safety wall and if by not allowing that there will be a chaos in the society there will be sexual violence against women and every woman will come under threat and therefore it is better that prostitution is not officially allowed but unofficially it is allowed and it is regulated regulated means see the entry and exit of people see whether there is a crime taking place whether there are health wise also it is good or not properly maintained or not hygiene is maintained or not like that so then there is legalization approach which is we in generally hear about legalization these days very often and then the next policy which is more common and more in demand today is decriminalization what we need to see is that decriminalization policy is of two types number one type says that the prostituted woman or the victim who has been put to forced prostitution or who has been put to prostitution or commercial sexual exploitation should not be criminalized should not be considered as having committed a crime or committing crime and therefore there should not be no provision in the law to criminalize such persons the other type of decriminalization is demanding it is for the protection of the sex traders or the traffickers and it demand that whatever current provisions in the law which penalize procuration trafficking detention brothel keeping brothel running pimping etc etc should be cancelled should be repealed and there should be no provision against the sex traders Catherine was an educated young woman from a small town in Europe. Six months ago, she lost her job assisting at a laboratory. Although she was receiving an unemployment allowance, she was eagerly waiting for a letter from the employment bureau offering her a job. A few weeks later, that letter arrived. Catherine opened the letter. It was a job opportunity at a nearby brothel as a sex worker. There are quite a few countries where prostitution is legalized and regulated. Germany, Switzerland, Austria, Greece, Turkey, the Netherlands, Hungary, and Latvia. The demand for legalization, which was once very popular, was given up in favor of a demand for decriminalization of the sex trade. Let's understand this shift. legalization was a very strong demand coming up suddenly but it's also slowed down because most of the sex traders realize that they have very little to gain by legalization but they will be actually submitting themselves to more stricter and more exhaustive control by the state agencies a number of departments will come and ask for records registers and filing of returns and coming for supervising shops and establishment will come income tax will come professional tax people will come so many other departments which will come previously those were only the police department was the one and the health department was the one who would come now once you legalize so many other things will come taxes will have to be paid but legalization meant that the sex trade should be given a lawful recognition there should be laws supporting the sex trade and it should not be considered as a kind of a punishable activity 
legalization gives an impression for people that today there is a legal chaos so everything is happening in a lawless manner and once it is legalized there will be proper control there will be proper respect for you know law and civilization and the rule of law will exist something like that and therefore most people say that instead of having the current corruption and chaos in the issue of sex trade it is better to have a law something but that is not right because you know what one has to understand is that what is it that we are going to make lawful are we going to make procuration lawful trafficking lawful pimping lawful brothel keeping lawful detention lawful what seducing lawful none of these can be made lawful and therefore legalization doesn't mean that necessarily give positive legal sanction to pimping and brothel keeping they will exist as crimes you know that realization is not there in many cases and therefore people with good intention keep demanding the policy of legalization but those who are knowledgeable or those who are familiar with the topic and the field know that this is not what the sex traders are any more demanding and this is not really going to solve the problem those championing legalization of the sex trade believe that it would bring in some form of positive intervention to control the problems related with the sex trade such as spreading of sexually transmitted infections like hiv having worked extensively with women in the sex trade dr patkar takes us through prena's experience with hiv and what impact legalization can have today the biggest problem is that of hiv transmission so there is a provision of compulsory periodic medical testing in the legalization policy as well as in the regulation is policy it presumes that if there is a regular checkup of these women and if attempts are made to keep them clean by treatment etc etc the negative side or the flip side of sex trade will be reduced and sex trade will not be so problematic because you know hiv can come under control now the whole idea is that as per the feasibility and the economic power of the state the state will put these women to periodic medical testing to see whether they have sexually transmitted infection or whether they are hiv positive now it is very important to understand that if a person is made to undergo hiv test and the test result comes negative it does not mean that the person is not infected or the person is not in a position of spreading the infection but even in the past when sexually transmitted infections were treated you know these people were detected positive and they were kept in hospitals compulsorily forcefully till they were clean now this was the time when this policy came into existence this was the time of pre penicillin time when there was no proper treatment also so for months together these women would be kept in hospitals in a locked condition and under the law these hospitals were called lock hospitals because women were locked there and many innocent women were also locked there because the authorities had the power to do that and therefore there was nobody to question them they were given unbridled powers and therefore they started harassing the society in general there is a long history of legalization and it has been seen that legalization is not the answer to check sexually transmitted infection including hiv the other thing is that if you check somebody in the morning and find that person negative doesn't mean that at night time the person will not be positive and spreading infection so how often will you actually check people and then there is something called window period for example the infection takes certain weeks time to appear in the blood test which means that the infection is there the person is capable of spreading the infection but the test doesn't show that the infection is there under such circumstances what happens is that the customer throws precautions to the winds and he indulges into unsafe sex thereby spreading infection legalization and compulsory periodic medical test policies never aimed at testing the customer 
who is perhaps in numbers 12 times bigger or 10 times bigger than the number of women in prostitution. So on that front also, you realize that no legalization policy or no component policy of compulsory periodic medical testing ever asked for testing of the customers. It was only testing those women. For what? For nothing. The third problem was that trafficking also involves inter-country illegal you know, trafficking, illegal migration, which means that if licenses are given, will the licenses be given to illegal immigrants or the traffickers or the victims belonging to other countries? That's a question mark which is to be answered. If, for example, if you say that HIV spread is 30 to 40 percent among these women, then are those women will be given licenses to permissions? Apparently, no. Then where will they go and what will happen to them? It is said that good 35 to 40 percent of the prostituted persons today in the sex trade market are below 18 years of age children. Will they be given licenses? What will happen to them? Who will take care of them and where will they go? So several questions remain unanswered with the legalization policy and therefore people who study legalization policy discard legalization policy as a, in a kind of a useless policy. But people who still think that they can make some kind of a wrongful money by wrongful implementation of the law such as the police department and the health department still keep asking for legalization as the solution to this problem directly or indirectly coming from the sex trade. यहाँ पे बेचते थे कम से कम दस हजार में ऐसे कुछ बेचते तो हमको नहीं जानकारी थी पैसे की तो कर्जे वाले आए तो मेरे पास ले लेंगे तो हम समझे पैसा क्या चीज़ है तो बोला तुम्हारा आदमी लिया तो तुम्हारे में नहीं है तो मैंने एक कलकत्ता के गांवरत थे तो उसने दिलाया था तो फिर एक घरवाली ऐसे तो सब लोग क्या बोलते हैं तुमने लिया होगा अरे मारते भी हैं आप बहुत लेडीज लोग तो लोग नहीं सुनते तो लोग कैसे बनाते हैं दस हजार बीस हजार साल का सजा सुना देते हैं तो इसलिए हम लोग यहाँ करते थे हम यहाँ पे छोड़ के दस साल हो गया अब हम दूसरे एरिया में जाते हैं यहाँ पे यहाँ क्यों अभी इतना दो रुपया कमाना नहीं हमारे बच्चे और हम चीज़ों में रहते नहीं यहाँ पे हमें डर लगता है वो पट्टी पट्टी से मारते लोग हमको मान खाने का ताकत नहीं at Predna, we're often asked by visitors, partners, funders, researchers and students visiting us that despite the laws in place to prevent commercial sexual exploitation, there still exists so many incidents of organized prostitution. In fact, there are police stations and chalkies that exist within and around the red light areas itself, where these crimes are taking place in such close proximity. Then how and why does the exploitation continue to take place? Dr. Patkar explains. In a country like India, or even if you take the case of South Asia, you don't have to use such outright criminal means because the economic helplessness and optionlessness is so serious 
that people don't have to be actually kidnapped to be put into a kind of an exploitative lifestyle. You know, in absence of any kind of dignified options, it is very easy to put them into a kind of a life which is exploitative in nature. Otherwise, there is only death or there is starvation there, particularly when there is no social support, when there is no state support. Individuals are left with very little option. And the law generally focuses on such coercive means and not on the social, structural, economic, larger reasons because of which individuals become susceptible, vulnerable and amenable to such kind of induction. The second thing is that it is generally said that whenever there is a sustained organized crime or sustained institutionalized crime, the law enforcement machinery is a part of it or it is indifferent to it. So law is kind of a statement on a piece of paper. Unless there are people, unless there is state, there is society, there is enforcement agency who is ready to translate the black and white text of the law into reality, law will not unfold itself, law will not enforce itself. It depends upon the human systems and organizations to get itself translated into action. There is no political will for that. And these people who are subjected to trafficking are themselves so low on every kind of socio-economic, cultural, political hierarchy that they have very little power to resist or to protest or to protect themselves. It is generally said that the poor are too poor to protest, the poor are too poor to resist. And this is exactly what you get to see in the human trafficking scenario. That is the reason why the largest number of victims come from the socially deprived categories, economically deprived categories. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Humans Not For Sale. Every week, we're going to show you more of what's happening in the world of human trafficking and commercial sexual exploitation and help you understand the issue better. Next week, we'll be exploring the HIV epidemic, the COVID-19 pandemic and the women in the sex trade. For now, if there is something that you want to do to help, tell more people about our show or share it on social media. For more information, go to fighttrafficking.org, your trusted knowledge partner.